Matthew. Tonight we move into chapter 12. We'll look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Beloved, before we hear God's word, if you would join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Oh God, we praise you and thank you for your infinite mercy to us, for sinners undeserving of your grace who have been the objects of grace that you have lavished upon us in your Son. Father, we thank you for the inspired, infallible Word of God, the Holy Scripture. We thank you for this rock upon which we can stand and order our lives. We pray, Father, that you would give us rest in the hearing of the gospel tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Beloved, this is God's word. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are not doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This is God's Word. Now the issue here in this interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees is the Sabbath. This comes in Matthew right after Jesus said this, Come to me and I will give you rest. And that is what the Sabbath day and Sabbath keeping was meant to provide for God's people. Rest. Rest for God's people. Spiritual rest. Stopping work on the Sabbath provided worshipers an opportunity to focus all of their time and energy into loving God, into drawing near to Him, giving thanks to Him, meditating on His mercy revealed in the sacrifices and thereby obtaining rest, rest for souls. God made the Sabbath day. Therefore, God has always been the Lord of the Sabbath. And so Jesus identifies himself as God here. He identifies himself as the God of the Old Testament when he says the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the Son of Man, And he is God. He is the eternal God who in the beginning blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so when you open your Bibles to the first book of of Holy Scripture, Genesis, and you read there that God completed his work of creation in six days and then rested on the seventh day and blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, that's Jesus. That's the Son. He's there. He is Lord of the Sabbath. He always was Lord of the Sabbath. The Son was there in the beginning, and now He is here. 
in the flesh. He is God with us. And as we see in the book of Matthew. This is important because when we think about the Sabbath of the Old Testament and the Lord's Day, which is what we recognize in the New Testament, the Christian Sabbath, we as God's people must yield to what God says in his word and what Jesus says here and what Jesus does. He is Lord of the Sabbath. We are not. So that is the expectation for God's people, that we would humble ourselves before the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ. Now, five times the Sabbath is mentioned in this section. And so it's clear that God's holy day, the Sabbath, as it was understood in the Old Testament, is the main issue here. How God orders time for man. That is what is ultimately being addressed here. How man is to make use of his time on earth and how man is to make good use of the holy time that God has set apart for us. The other thing I think we should notice here is that Jesus refers to at least three Old Testament teachings in this section. He repeatedly says to the Pharisees in verse 3, Have you not read... That is, have you not read the Old Testament? (laughs) Have you not read the Law of Moses? Verse 5, have you not read the Law of Moses, the Scriptures? And then in verse 7, if you had known, if you had spiritually discerned, if you had truly had spiritual understanding of what? The Old Testament, the words of the prophets, what the Old Testament, namely what the Old Testament prophet Hosea meant. When God spoke through him and said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. This was a direct quote from Hosea uh, chapter 6. Have you not read? Do you not understand the Holy Scriptures about the Sabbath? What this means is that the meaning, the true substance of the Sabbath was clearly taught and is clearly taught in the Old Testament, in the Holy Scriptures. And the so-called experts in these scriptures were actually ignorant. They didn't understand the meaning of the Sabbath in regard to proper Sabbath keeping. We are told here that Jesus and his disciples were walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath day. And on this Sabbath day, they were hungry as they were walking through the fields. Now you have to remember here that his disciples, Jesus' disciples, had left their former ways of life. Lives. They had left their former occupations to follow Christ. So all the ways in which they were used to providing for themselves before following Christ were no longer available to them, at least not in the same way. They were following the King of Kings. And they were trusting in His provision and what other disciples would provide for them. And so they were dependent. They were dependent on Jesus to provide for them, dependent upon the church uh, to provide for them. Matthew, in particular, was no longer a tax collector. He's following Jesus, so he could not provide food for himself through his job as a tax collector in the same way that he had done prior to following Jesus. Now, already there was a provision in the law, though. There was a provision in the Old Testament law that allowed for people to pluck heads of grain from fields on the Sabbath, such as this, to feed themselves. It was all, or 
on really any day of the week, they were allowed to take some of the excess from the fields of other brothers and sisters in the Lord so that they could feed themselves if they were hungry. This was a merciful provision for the poor. It was a merciful thing for the Jews to do for their neighbor, to feed their hungry neighbor. Now, in keeping with this spirit, then, it was a merciful thing for Jesus to allow his disciples to feed themselves in this way on the Sabbath. It was simply a merciful thing to do. They were hungry, so he let them eat, and they did. I desire mercy, God had said, and that is what these disciples received, mercy. The Sabbath was set apart so that Israel could come near to a merciful and compassionate God and in this way become themselves more merciful toward their neighbor. Think about this. You have this Old Testament provision for poor people in the Holy Scriptures. You have God's people who are themselves selfish sinners. They attend the Sabbath services on the seventh day and they draw near to a merciful and compassionate God who forgives their sins through the sacrifices on the Sabbath day. And those same people who were once selfish and sinful slowly learn to become merciful and unselfish. And they slowly learn to freely give from their grain fields to the poor among them. That's what the Sabbath is for. That people might be changed by the God of the Sabbath by drawing near to him. Feeding your neighbor, feeding your hungry neighbor is showing mercy to them. And that is something that we as fallen individuals don't want to do, and we are by nature not inclined to do because we are selfish. Yet God is compassionate. He feeds everyone. He feeds everything. He always gives. And as we draw near to him on the Sabbath, we learn to be more like him. And so we give to our neighbor, our hungry neighbor. Showing, feeding our hungry neighbor is showing mercy to them, something that should be practiced all the time as we are able, and something that certainly should be practiced on the Sabbath. If you're going to pick a day to be merciful in this way, the Sabbath would be at the top of that list, should it not? And Jesus said he is gentle and lowly in heart. Would a gentle and humble person deprive his closest brother's food? His friends are hungry. Would he keep them from eating on the Sabbath? No. That's what the Sabbath is for, to learn to be like Jesus, to learn to be merciful, gentle, lowly, self-sacrificing. That's what this time is for. On the other side of this, biblical understanding of the Sabbath were the Pharisees. So that was the biblical understanding. In verse 14, we learn that this interaction on the Sabbath compelled the Pharisees to figure out a way to destroy him. We'll look at that in the next section in a couple of weeks. But this ends with the Pharisees planning to kill Jesus because of their understanding of the Sabbath. They hated God then. They hated God. And we'll look at that more closely in the next sermon, Lord willing. Sabbath to haters of God was nothing more than was nothing more than a way to increase the spiritual burdens on the people. 
It was a tool in their hands that they could use to control the people and to burden them. The Pharisees wanted to be Lord of the Sabbath. They wanted to dictate what could be done and what could not be done. They wanted to explain what the Sabbath truly meant. And so they made up meticulous man-made rules about the Sabbath that were not scriptural. This is what they made reference to in verse 2. Your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Well, lawful by what standard? Lawful by the Bible standard, they were incorrect. They were doing what was lawful. They were receiving mercy. They were hungry. But according to their standard, they were breaking their rules. They were breaking the Pharisees' rules, not God's word. Now, three times here, and really there's actually four or five allusions or references um, to God's word. Jesus refers, though, three times explicitly to God's word about Sabbath keeping. Now, the standard that the Pharisees sought to impose on Christ's disciples was a man-made standard. It was not scriptural. It was their own, their own rules that they were referencing what is not lawful meaning he they're breaking our rules they're fulfilling God's rules but they're breaking our rules now because of this approach to their understanding of the Sabbath the Pharisees were unmerciful they would have rather have seen the disciples continue to go hungry on the Sabbath now as part of his response Jesus refers in Uh, verse 4 and 5, to teachings in Leviticus and Numbers. In Leviticus, we learn about bread that was consecrated for holy use, and it was set apart, or was set out in the holy place. And this bread was called the bread of presentation, or the bread of the presence. Every Sabbath, every seventh day, a priest would arrange the bread. This bread was then used to feed the priests. They would eat from this bread. It It was... supposed to be presented in the holy place. There was a reason for that, but it was also used as holy food for priests only. Only the priests could eat this. And it's verse 4. It's what Jesus says, only for priests. According to God's word then in verse 5, Jesus talks about the sacrifices or the work the priest had, that the priest had to do on the Sabbath. And since they technically work on the Sabbath, they profane it. Have you not read, priests profane the Sabbath by their work, offering sacrifices in the temple. And yet Jesus says before God, they are innocent. They are guiltless. He says the same thing about his disciples. In verse 7, you would not have condemned the guiltless. His disciples are innocent for eating these heads of grain on the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus was saying, My disciples are innocent by God's word in this merciful activity on the Sabbath. It is lawful. By my standard, by the Lord of the Sabbath standard that has already been revealed in the Old Testament, what they have just done is lawful. It's keeping with the spirit of the Sabbath, showing mercy. To put it another way, Uh, For us, Sabbath keeping in the Old Testament and worship on the Lord's Day in the New Testament is not 
and was never primarily about rule-keeping. It was that way from the beginning. It, that's part of it. We should honor the Sabbath day. There are certain things, yes, that God made it clear that we shouldn't do on the Sabbath day. For the Israelites in the very beginning, namely, it was do not work. Stop work on the Sabbath. But its essence, though, the essence, the spirit of the Sabbath is not and was not primarily about rule-keeping. It's not primarily about external form, meticulous obedience. That's not what it's about. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy, not just outward meticulous obedience. Mercy, not sacrifice. Sabbath worship is about your heart. That's the point. Do you want to use the time God has given you to draw near to the God of mercy, to come close to Christ who is merciful, and then maybe, just maybe, become merciful yourself? And be merciful to others around you and those closest to you. Is that what you want from the Sabbath? Or is it merely an outward show for you? Something you can use to condemn others in your heart who don't measure up to your standards of Sabbath keeping. Is that what the Sabbath is about for you? Do you find that attitude restful? It's not. Being unmerciful is not spiritual rest. There's no rest in that. Jesus desires mercy, not self-righteous, unmerciful sacrifice. He makes it fairly clear here. Lastly, look at how Jesus associates himself with the temple in the Old Testament and the king of Israel in the Old Testament. He says something greater than the temple is here. In verse 6. And in verse 3, he compares what he and his disciples were doing on this Sabbath day to what King David and his companions had done at one point, which was recorded in the Old Testament scriptures, which is what the Pharisees should have known and understood already. But Jesus uh, brings this up. And so he's leading his disciples. They're in the grain fields. His disciples get hungry, and so he feeds them. And he compares that event to something that had already happened in the Old Testament with King David. Now the story about David that Jesus references here is recorded in 1 Samuel. David had been anointed king privately by Samuel. But his kingship had not yet been publicly disclosed or publicly confirmed. Privately, he was the king. But Saul was still on the throne. Saul was still the the functioning king at the time. Saul still had the power. And Saul was trying to kill David. David was on the run with his followers because Saul was trying to kill him. As they were fleeing, they arrived at the land of Nob where the priests lived. And they were hungry. King David and his friends were running for their lives. They're in the land of Nob where the priests are and they're hungry. And Abimelech, the priest there at the time, gave King David and his friends some of the holy bread, the bread of the presence that was only to be used in the temple and only to be given to the priest to eat. And then later, and so he fed these hungry men, the king's friends, the king and his friends, he fed them. 
Later we are told that as a result of showing mercy to King David and his friends, Abimelech and all the priests of the city of Nob and all of their families were put to the sword by Saul because he showed King David and his companions mercy. Saul had them killed. They were killed for being merciful. Now, why were David's followers innocent in God's eyes at, this, at that time? For eating holy bread, which is what Jesus says here. They were innocent because they were with the true king of Israel. They were following the true king, not the false king, Saul. David was the true king. And he's on a divine errand to save his own life. He's fleeing for his life. And his companions are with him. And so what they were doing was more important than keeping the laws of the Old Testament, making sure that the bread only goes to the priests. Why was it more important? Why was their mission to be subsumed under the priestly laws? Well, because they were with the king, King David. That's why. They were innocent because they were with the true king of Israel. At that time, King David was on a special mission. He was gathering followers so that at the appointed time, he could return and take his rightful place on the throne. Eventually, David would do this. He would return. He would take his place on the throne because he was God's anointed son as king. If the followers of God's anointed king are hungry, feed them. That's the point. And that's the point that we, the Jews, and we should understand from Holy Scripture. Well, friends, David's kingship pointed to something greater. And that's what Jesus talks about here, something greater. And that, and that is the kingship of Jesus Christ. Christ's disciples were following God's anointed son. His anointed king, the king of kings, the rightful heir to the throne, the one who was about to take his place as Israel's king, as the king of heaven and earth, really. One whose rule would never end, will never end. If the followers of this king are hungry, feed them. It's easy. The king, the Messiah, is here. His followers are hungry. Feed them. Be merciful to them. Be merciful to them at all times, especially on the Lord's Day, on the Sabbath day. This is really, if you think about it, this is elementary scriptural understanding of Sabbath keeping. And the Pharisees didn't understand it. The temple, the sacrifices, the priesthood, and even the kingship of David, they all were preparations for something greater. And that something greater is Jesus himself. Verse 6, Jesus says, something greater is here. And so while the laws of the Old Testament were good and meaningful and useful and in a lot of ways still at work today, Jesus says something greater is here. The temple, the king, the priesthood, it all points to Christ. Jesus is the true king He's our true high priest. He's the true temple. 
He's the true house of God, for in him God dwelled bodily. Something greater is here. Now, friends, Sunday worship in our day, the Lord's Day worship, is set aside to meet with him, to meet with this something greater, to meet with Jesus. That is why we have this time given to us by God so that we might have rest. We have this time given to us to meet together, to hear from Christ's word what happened to him on the cross so that we might have rest. And in that way, we obtain spiritual rest. And you cannot find that rest anywhere else. You cannot find that type of spiritual rest anywhere else at any other time. It's a gift to us to use it to find that rest in Christ. After King David fed his followers with the holy bread and knob, Saul was furious. He destroyed Abimelech and that whole city. He killed all of them. David and his friends, though, escaped. After Jesus fed his disciples with grain from the fields, the Pharisees became furious. This time, the king did not escape. He wasn't able to save his own life. The Pharisees became furious just as Saul had become furious at one point about the mercy that was shown to the king's friends on the Sabbath. And so they had Jesus put to the sword. They had Jesus put to death. Well, friends, that is where true spiritual rest is found. That is where true mercy is found. At the cross, a crucified king, the anointed son of of God crucified for you. That is where you find true rest. A merciful king who yields to the fury and the condemnation of man to provide you with permanent rest for your souls. You won't find that anywhere else. You won't find that outside of the gospel. This is what you find in worship on the Lord's Day. If your heart is in the right place, And so we have to ask ourselves, friends, this is something uh, we all have to ask of ourselves in regard to Sabbath-keeping, Lord's Day worship. Which group do we want to be in? Do we want to be part of the followers of the King? A merciful, lowly group of people who truly want to know more and more of God's mercy? People who are hungry for the preaching of the gospel, who come hungry to feed on Christ and to become hopefully more merciful like him, more merciful toward our neighbors because of drawing near to him. Is that why we come? Is that why we gather? Or do we want to be on the side of the Pharisees, followers of man, people who care more about man-made rules, people who care more about outwardly appearing religious than helping our fellow brothers and sisters who might be hungry. People who concerned, are concerned more about what it looks on the outside by strict Sabbath observant, observance, self-righteous, always looking to condemn others, lacking love for God, lacking love for your neighbor, narcissistic, and therefore unmerciful. That's what the Pharisees were. And yet they prided themselves on their Sabbath-keeping. 
They were unmerciful, and therefore they had no rest. Is that the group that we want to find ourselves in? Well, I don't know about you, but I want rest. I want spiritual rest. I want the rest that Christ gives. And so, friends, let us all pay attention to Jesus' words here. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the way we approach Sabbath-keeping and really the way we approach all of life. To Christ be all praise and glory now and forevermore.